great. There's no audio coming through. Uh, gosh. All right. Um, I I got it covered. Hang on. I'm gonna have to reconnect. At least you told me it's not working. So. I didn't end the... What the heck just happened? Okay, something went wrong. Oh, it's there. Okay. Come on, come on. I hit direct connect. Connect. And I'm working on it. His, his machine sometimes connects, sometimes it doesn't connect. Don't make no sense. Uh, not perfectly by any sense, means of it, but yes, I, I can, for instance, sometimes say who uh, has is born in a certain day sign uh, and, and so forth. There is a reality to it. But it's not physical, it's not based on, on, on the astronomical measurements. Now, that's part of the system. But then the long count, which is then uh, 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 so far it's gone 5,140 years or, uh, or, or, or so, uh, that is based not on the, the, the physical year, or, but on the on the on the 360 day uh, year and uh, and uh, uh, the 360 day years they, the maya would use um, even though they knew that that wasn't the best estimate of the solar year but they used it because they knew that the prof- the pro- if they would develop a calendar system that is prophetic, then they they would have to use the 360-day uh, uh, year uh, as a basis for that calendar. I don't understand what you just said. Why would why would 360 be a special number? It, it is because it is. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. You know, in the same sense that 13 and 20 are special numbers, in the same sense as as the number 4 for the four directions is a special number, in the same sense that the number 9 is a special number because there are nine levels of of evolution, in the same sense that there are seven uh, uh, peaks in, in, in a wave movement of 13, these are numbers that are uh, qualities rather than just measurements. Because hmm. is it accidental? Is it coincidence then that we divide a circle into 360 divisions called degrees? Yeah, I think that's a me- meaningful um, uh, correspondence. I mean, the, the, the 360 days uh, uh, circle, it comes from Mesopotamia. Uh, that's why they initially had that, but but I think it's a, it's. I thought it's, it came from Sumer by way of Babylon. Yeah, yeah, but that's Mesopotamia. Okay. Yeah, and uh, 
but uh, 360 days is also considered as the 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 spiritual year of the, of the Bible. It's like the Bible. Well, if you if you complete one circle and you mark it with 360 division, and then on the other side of the planet, if you complete one circle and you mark it with 360 and mark it arbitrarily in 360 divisions. You Isn't that a rather a extraordinary coincidence? And mark it arbitrarily yeah, yeah. No, in 360 it, it, and, and what I'm saying here is that, that, that it points to the fact that the number yeah, 360 yeah. No, is it, a meaningful and, and year, a meaningful number. But, but the Mayan the sacred calendar you said is 260. Is so where does the additional 100 come from? But, but the Mayan sacred calendar you said is 260. Well, okay. So where does the additional 100 come from? Okay. It, I would need graphs okay, to to to, to show this. We talked about two different calendars. One is the, the sacred calendar, which is 260 energies. But then also, the, then I talked about the long count calendar, which is the, the calendar that has been uh, was was activated in 3115 BC and has is continued to run until the present time and the, the, the basis for that calendar is 360 days even though that has run over thousands of years it's still the the basis is 360 days rather than 365 days or so so how do these calendars remain in sync with the astronomical reality of sunrise, sunset, so how do moon, these orbiting Earth, etc., etc.? They don't really do that. So they're an arbitrary system they which is apart create, from they, they really uh, astronomical time, you're saying? Yes. So they're an arbitrary system. I'm not saying that they're arbitrary, but from, I'm saying that they are uh, apart from time, astronomical time. Yes. They are I'm not saying that they're arbitrary, reflecting the wave movement of, of the evolution of consciousness, which is not a physical phenomenon. Well, let me ask you a really radical question. Is it possible that these two cycles are reflective of a time when the solar system was radically different and the Earth did over the sun in 360 revolutions of its own axis? I, I don't think so, because they have measured the, the, the number of days in a year over hundreds of millions of years. And if anything, it's now going down. So it, it well, I'm not talking about a natural evolution. I'm talking about an incredibly sophisticated, high-tech civilization that could move planets around. And that there was a time in our solar system when the configuration of the planets was different, and the Mayan cultural heritage is from that time before things were changed to what we view as reality of present. Yeah, I, I can't answer that. Uh, to what we view <laughs> it's a very good term. I like that, yes. Yeah. yeah, I can't, I, answer, I can't that. answer that. What I do know that is that the number of days in yeah. a year is going that. down, do and it seems like it's asymptotically approaching 360 days. And I don't know when in the future it will come down to that, maybe in 100 million years or something like that. But it's going down. It's not that it used to be 360 days. It is. I guess maybe I'm not... Communicating clearly, we have found in our research that there are evidences of incredible high-tech civilization all over the solar system. A civilization with the potential to literally 
move moons and planets around to create what I call designer solar systems. We even have evidence outside the solar system discovered by NASA of other planetary systems that are so bizarre that the Occam's razor explanation is they're not natural. Somebody built them. Somebody put them together. I'm thinking in particular of a system called TRAPPIST-1, which is about 39 light years away and consists of seven Earth's mass planets all away. orbiting in coplanar orbits seven at varying Earth distances from the M-type star, which is the center of the solar system, which under any natural model of planetary solar system formation and evolution is frankly almost impossible to conceive how something that bizarre uh, came about. So mm-hmm. if you if you if you postulate that in 13.7 billion years, which is the current canonical age of the universe, uh, not looking at cycles of the universe itself, but just a universe from a Big Bang to where we are now, that in all of that time we cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, be the most sophisticated uh, culture in the galaxy or in the universe. Is it not possible that long before us, there were cultures or technologies or starfarers that created a technology based on a, a physics that we only have, you know, kind of hints of that allows you to negate inertia, change mass, move planets and star systems around so that the, the Mayan cultural heritage could in fact extend over a vast experience of time and space to when in this system the configuration of planets was not what we currently think of as normal but that that calendrical system those two systems came from a different measurement of time by that astronomy having nothing to do with what we currently observe well that's that's possible. It's just that what, uh, you know, if that were the case, I, I wouldn't think that the, 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 the periods that the Mayan calendar is based on would be such holy numbers or, or what we would perceive as sacred numbers. Uh, and and uh, you, you would expect if, if that was, you know, if some previous civilization like that uh, had another kind of astronomy, then you would expect them to also have like frac- uh, uh, decimals and, and so forth. But that's not the case. Instead, these... The, the 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 numbers which build up the Mayan calendar system are simple integers that in many Why? different cultures of our planet are considered as holy. And so I, I think it goes back to some underlying cosmic numbers rather than measured physical uh, cycles. But again, you have this weird coincidence on opposite sides of the planet. You have a culture that measured a circle in 360 you know, yeah. Yeah. And then the Mayans measure a calendar of 360 intervals. Yeah. Yeah. And in our HD model, the 360 system is not arbitrary. It and its concatenations, ex- expansions of 
of a, of, of a mathematical matrix are all part of this physics, which ultimately, in terms of experiments, actually winds up being able to measure changes in inertia and mass or create a technology which can change inertia and mass. So I'm wondering if, if this is consciousness or we're only looking at a portion of, of a real need to decode the origins of these sacred systems that are far beyond written history and were not tabulated, not recorded, or not memorized or given as a heritage, just the numbers. Which makes it very hard to try to deconstruct and find origins okay. if, if that's the case. Which makes it so very hard to try let to us go to the bigger question, which is how do these calendars relate to cyclic or semi-periodic changes of human consciousness, which is the heart of what I think we need to talk about tonight. Yeah. So the the way I basically the uh, the most important uh, pyramids that were built by the Maya um, in uh, about two thousand years ago, beginning about two thousand years ago, they they are built in nine levels, and they they like terrace formed pyramids. And uh, the the way to understand that, uh, I, I believe, is to look upon it as a, a climb through different uh, levels, different states of consciousness. Or you, you could also think about it as different structures of the mind. So these are three-dimensional physical models that are metaphors for an invisible consciousness chain through time. Yes. And uh, since since they are terrace-like pyramids, you can do, uh, you can uh, say that it it is formed of of quantum leaps between these different states. So um, yeah, I think you have one of these in uh, in your second item in, yes. in radio with pictures. So if you go to the other side of midnight, click on the banner for tonight for Sunday night, the twenty seventh. That will take you to the guest page. Click on Carl's fast links to items. That will take you to his section. Um, his item number one is a graphical representation of these nine waves of consciousness. And item number two is an actual physical pyramid uh, at, I believe, Chichen Itza, which shows mm-hmm. this in three-dimensional pyramidal form in your model. Yes. And so... Uh, to take one one such uh, uh, example, I, I think the best example is Ben really did. Oh, oh, uh, sorry. Thanks, okay. Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, definitely. See, you're 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 you're, you're too damn interesting. I, I get <laughs> lost in the conversation. That's not a a good thing to happen. Anyway, uh, my guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalaman. We're talking about consciousness changes. Are they cyclic? Are they determined by some vast background cosmic metronome? Stay tuned. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
theothersideofmidnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night here in the land of enchantment. My guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalaman, and we're discussing the very mysterious and, in some sense, timeless Mayan calendar. And it's used as a predictive tool or as a reflection, as a mirror of changes in human consciousness, according to the Kalaman model. So I guess, Carl, we should move then directly to these nine time waves, these nine grand cycles, and, and find out, A, if they have uh, observables in the, uh, in the geophysical record, and if they don't, do they have, uh, do they have you know, records in the, in the historical record or even prehistorical, or if not that, how do you, how do you how did you wind up with the idea that there were nine of these cycles embodied in the largest version of the calendar? Well, um, first of all, I think it is the the, the many the, the central pyramids in the Mayan sites that are nine levels they nine stories. Uh, that's true for Chichen Itza, uh, the the uh, the pyramid of uh, Kukulkan, the plumed serpent in Chichen Itza. It's, part, it's uh, true for the uh, Temple of Inscriptions in Palenque. Uh, it is true for the Temple of the Great Jaguar in Tikal. These, these the most uh, iconic Mayan uh, pyramids are built in nine levels. And it's also uh, knowledge that we have from them that they, they also would associate like nine gods, each, each one of them to each one of these uh, levels. Uh, the number nine plays a significant role in, in, in many of the calendar systems or, or the Maya. Uh, 
And uh, it, what I've come to conclude is, is then really that it has to do, uh, each of these levels is, is very much linked to the, uh, the resonance, or you might say downloading, of particular geometries and particular yin-yang dualities that human beings may download at particular points in time. So basically that there is a sequential activation of new and higher states of consciousness, each of which carries a particular filter, but also a particular geometry that determines how human beings perceive reality, but then also as a consequence, how they create reality. Now, first, this may sound, you know, just sort of technical and abstract, but once you get into it in the, and into the meat of the matter, it becomes quite concrete and quite clear, so to speak. And I think, you know, especially since the discussion or the article that you uh, have made available to the listeners is basically based on the long count calendar, which is the sixth of these nine waves. Um, We should talk especially as to what that particular wave, what kind of phenomena that particular wave were carrying with them and brought to the human beings. You know, these waves, I should also say, they were called by the ancient Mesoamericans, they were called Quetzalcoatlan, which also translates into uh, the plumed serpent. And the plumed serpent, you may look upon that as a sine wave in the sky, so to speak. That's really what a serpent is. And this plumed serpent in, in the mythology of, of people, the Aztecs and the Maya and all the Mesoamerican peoples, was considered as the bringer of civilization, bringer of knowledge bringer of of mathematics, bringer of the calendar, and most importantly, uh, a bringer of life. But uh, this bringing of civilization is quite interesting if you consider then the fact that this long count calendar, which is one of these serpentine waves, so to speak, was activated uh, 3115 BCE, which happens to coincide then with the time from which we know that the first uh, civilizations on our planet would emerge. In in other words, that is the time when uh, 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 civilizations would emerge in Egypt, in Sumer, and in the Indus Valley, in in present-day Pakistan. Okay, let me me ask a dumb question, because it's bothered me in terms of our model. That number, 3,000 plus years ago, is the beginning of the long count, the last, the latest cycle of the long count. How was that derived? When, how was that by academics pinpointed as the origin date of the long, of the latest long count? Well, uh, it's a question how it was correlated to the Gregorian calendar. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, okay. Well, that used to be a, a, a tricky uh, question, and, and there still is a couple of different uh, suggestions of, of how to do this correlation. But it, it really, the, the, what has become accepted is the fact that there are certain um, dates from uh, the, the early when the Spanish came to uh, 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 Mexico in, in the in the 16th century, where you have cases where the, you have on the one hand you have a, a, a Gregorian date or actually a Julian date, and for the same date you will have the the, the date in a particular Catun cycle in in the Mayan calendar system. So is this, then, is this recorded by the Spanish, by, by yeah. let's say the priests yeah. they brought with them? Yes, so that's the Spanish recorded these dates in 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 the two different systems, and then they they have backtracked from this to get the the uh, original starting point of of the long count. Well, the reason I ask is because when I when Robin and I went to Chichen Itza, and under reasonable duress, I was able to actually measure the uh, energies. The, the torsion field changes uh, of the, uh, the pyramid, the Kukulkan pyramid. Mm-hmm. I came to the realization that the long count in predicting, because we were there in 2012, in the you know December of 2012, that that was wrong. That the actual turning point for the long count was not 2012 in the Gregorian, but 2016. It was off by four years, and that has to do with some astronomical measurements. The point is, if if that's off by four years, and the real end of the latest long count was in 2016, the model predicted that all kinds of amazing changes would happen. Well, look around the Earth. All kinds of amazing things happened in 2016, but not in 2012. Yeah, but I, I don't understand how did you make that correction, so to speak. How did you come to 2016? Because the sun, as yeah, it, at, hang on, you asked the question. As the sun, as it's passing the galactic center, above the galactic center, which is, is that alignment between the Earth, the sun, and the black hole at the center of the galaxy, that alignment you know, there's midpoint in 2016, not um, in uh, in in 2012, the way it's traditionally uh, been 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 counted. And I attribute that to an error of four years in 1944, when the academics were trying to reconcile the latest archaeology in in Mayan country with the Gregorian calendar. You know, we have the same problem in the. Uh, uh, you know, Western tradition of aligning the biblical, you know, calendrical systems of the Hebrews with the Gregorian calendar. You know, when was Christ born? That kind of thing. Yeah. So these errors can creep in. The the difference is that not many people have aligned the Mayan calendar with this solar galactic center alignment, which in fact uh, term, uh, culminated in 2016 and not 2012. Yeah, but then you are doing what I said I, I, I don't think is right, namely that you're basing the calendar on astronomy. Well, the way I would look at it is 
if if remember all the furor over the Mayan calendar no. and the end of the Wait, long count, 2012, and all yeah. the doom and gloom and all that. Well, all those changes did not happen in 2012. They happened in 2016. All those changes did not happen. Yeah, but you, you, I mean, you could take any any year and say that a lot of things happened. It doesn't mean that the calendar. um, You know, I I I would say that this correlation, uh, the uh, so-called GMT correlation, is is quite strongly established, um, and. Uh, as I said, uh, the, the the long count is not based on astronomy. The the starting point is not based on astronomy, and and uh, it's um, that, that's that's my view. And and uh, um, an astronomical measurement for me would not change that view because I don't expect anything to to be correlated with that. Uh, that you know, they, they, they all these come people saying that you know, I, I got an, uh, an email just just a couple of days ago. Somebody saying, okay, now everything is happening in in Ukraine. The calendar is ending 2022, and then I had other dates coming up because people say think that something is happening, and then we must the, the, it must be the end of the Mayan calendar. Um, and uh, I don't agree with that. It must be the end of the Okay, well, please continue. Um, and, uh, oh, where were we? <laughs> we were, yeah. We, we were talking okay. about these nine waves Le- right, and right. how the long count fits in in what you're terming the, the sixth wave. wave. Okay, good, good, right. yes. So then the question is, well, what I pointed out then is, is that the beginning of this long count, it – uh, it well, correlates then with the first emergence of uh, um, civilizations on our planet um, in in Egypt, in Sumer, in the Indus Valley, and uh, the the Maya described that event. It, it's it's interesting, you know. Other other chronologies take, for instance, the Christian chronology or the Muslim chronologies. They they are based on human individuals, religious figures, so to speak, whether it's Jesus or Muhammad that uh, did something or, or were born. The Maya are describing a, a cosmic event. Uh, they, they, they're saying that in the, in the heavenly abode, uh, which is really the center of the world tree, which is the cosmic uh, location, uh, the, the, the first father erected the world tree and it, 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 it it's like he it describes how they're projecting out a uh, like a, if i can say it without picture it's like a compass rose it is uh, uh, an eight directional uh, eight partitional structure so to speak that that's how they describe it so they they describe it in the temple of inscriptions in in palenque as a cosmic event as something new being projected out through the cosmos now what is interesting by, by about that this the, is that this corresponds to one of the more marked 
criteria, or not criteria, but characteristics of, of civilization, and that is the uh, the, the straight lines, and uh, the, uh, you know, especially if you look at it like the Egyptian pyramids and the the geometry, the sharp geometry uh, based on on straight lines and perpendicular lines, and. Uh, this is something that human beings did not were not able to create before this point in time so civilization which you know usually is meant to mean a city life or or a, or a culture that has a city life civitas mean city so straight lines are, are, are then being projected out from the cosmos no wait, 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 wait. when you say that humanity was unable to do this how do you account for the straight line architecture in places like Gobekli Tepe, which is 12,000, give or take? Well, the, the Gobekli, the, that is also a, what's called a, a, a pre, pre-long count. It's very well established among the Maya. So you basically add 5,125 years backwards. And that would take you to somewhere 8,800 years. And if you study the, the, um, uh, the Gebekli Tepe and you date the very first straight lines that, that they did, you actually, in Gebekli Tepe is one of the places where uh, uh, you have the first rectangular house foundations. And... Uh, so you have there then an early beginning, but you have nothing like the, sharp, the precision sharpness that would come with the 5,100 years ago with the, with the real civilizations. The, the Gerbekli Tepe was built by hunter-gatherers. It wasn't a city life. It was uh, people that, that, yeah. It wasn't a, a civilization. It was a culture that, that amazingly, uh, without be, having even gone through agriculture. Well, wait, wait, wait. Given that about 5% of what I think encompasses the entire site has been excavated, how can you say that categorically when 95% is unknown, still buried? To, to, to say what categorically? That it was built by hunter-gatherers. Oh, that's what the Klaus Schmidt came to conclude, the, the, the German archaeologist. Yeah, based on what, 5% of his excavation? Well, yeah, I mean, why would you... Because the amount of organization and, and surplus energy, et cetera, to do these mega archaeological structures requires far more than hunter-gatherers had at their disposal. Well, I, just simple energy, you know... Well, calculations. Well, well plus I, I the mean, sophistication no, of Gobekli Tepe, where these the, chambers are sound no, chambers, they're resonant Gobekli frequency modulators. Those those limestone things standing in the center appear to be giant tuning forks that were resonated by some extraordinary, probably choral groups uh, that knew what they were doing because they wanted to resonate certain frequencies. You know, this is far beyond hunter-gatherer primitive level of uh, comprehension, one would think. 
Well, not necessarily. I, I don't know why it would be beyond their comprehension. I, I don't know why, why hunter-gatherers would be less advanced, but they didn't build cities. That's the point. And they didn't create a civilization, a centralized civilization like, like the Egyptians. And they didn't have writing. And that's another interesting aspect that really comes with these straight lines and perpendicular lines. You know, people had symbols before uh, the emergence of writing about 5,000 years ago. So you're basically saying that in terms of conceptual consciousness, there was some step function, some mini, mini big bang in human consciousness at this time frame of the beginning of the Mayan calendar. Long-term. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So the mind changed. The human mind changed because they downloaded uh, another kind of mind that, which was made accessible from the cosmic center. That's what, uh, that's what they say, basically, that it's the center of the, of the tree of life. That's where the first father uh, projected out this kind of a thing. Well, you know, there are scholars who say that whole tree of life comparison is really the mapping of the the interstellar dust clouds between us and the center of the Milky Way, that that is where this transformation emanated from, which is another way of saying the alignment with the center of the galaxy. Well, I look upon it differently i think the tree of life is the in the underlying reality and then you know the 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 milky way is created as a physical expression of that underlying reality Mm, that's thinking big all right Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean this is the ultimate expression of what mind over matter yeah okay Uh, so we we have our definition straight yeah yeah okay yeah so anyway, what happened then when the long count began, and, and there is then, there are also predecessors, you, you might say, Gobekli Tepe, Katal Huyok, Jericho, a couple of places in, in the... Yeah, Tepe is at 12,000, Katal Yok and uh, the other one you mentioned are at 9,000, I think. 12,000, Yeah. Uh, uh, 12,000, that's really, uh, that's beyond what, what, if you, if you just state perpendicular structures and uh, then, then you will come more to 9,000, I would say, as Quebec Tepe. It depends on what you want to date, if, if you're uh, looking at that thing. But basically then, 5,000 years ago, uh, uh, when the Egyptian pyramids uh, started to be built and the Egyptian institution of, of, of pharaohs, the monarchy there was established and uh, uh, they got their, uh, their uh, capital in, in Memphis. When the uh, uh, Sumerians started to build their 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 ziggurats in in Mesopotamia, uh, and people even in several other places in the world, like in Mongolia, they they built pyramids, and there is a place in, in Peru that is called Karal, that where they built uh, pyramids. 
uh, and for the first time really you don't have pyramids before this and the way i look upon it is that only then when they had downloaded this new frame of consciousness when they had downloaded this new mind uh, uh, did people start to build these kind of structures and and the day so, so just to be sure that i'm 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 following you here you're yeah. saying at that date, the beginning of the Mayan calendar, a long count roughly 5,000 plus years ago, the conceptualization of rectilinear geometry dawned. And also the, the which the is concept. basically Euclidean geometry, right? Yeah, it's it's the beginning of that. Yeah. So how did people before then see reality and the world around them and the universe and you know, day-to-day life and all that. They didn't see right angles. They couldn't conceptualize, you know, rectilinear foundations. No, they couldn't. And for instance, if you go to uh, um, the cave painters, uh, cave paintings in in France or 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 Spain that go back even forty thousand years ago, what what you notice then is that yes, you might say that the 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 art is remarkably uh, good in, in portraying the bisons and uh, the various kind of animals that were portrayed in there, but they, they are upside down, they're floating around, and, and what I'm saying is that people then were in a much more like a floating state of consciousness. But wait, wait, wait. And there, I, as far as I remember, and I haven't looked at this in a while, there are enigmatic geometric symbols amid that art which are totally un, untranslatable or translated by any uh, naturalistic model. The animals, they kind of figured out their hunting magic, that kind of thing, which is a model. But the geometry is completely beyond conceptualization by modern archaeologists because they don't understand why these 40,000-year cultures were, were memorializing in paint. You know, hematite on the cave walls, geometric symbols. Yeah, you don't find strict geometric Yes, you do. It's right there in the artwork. That's what makes it so baffling. No, you don't. You haven't looked at the Lusu Caves and the ones in Spain? I've been there. And? No, you don't. You find a lot of upside-down animals floating around. And, and uh, they, they're famous for or, or falling horse and, and so forth, and, and you don't find straight lines. I guess I'm going to have to find some examples and post them because I remember from my looking at this a while ago, it's admittedly a few years, that there yeah. was this remarkably anomalous geometry that nobody's figured out yet amidst okay. the representation of animals. Uh-huh. And, of okay. course, I kind of, you know, I trip over geometry all the time. To me, it's yeah. kind of an interesting signature of something. So, but, but uh, you know, moving on, let's, let, let's assume for the sake of the conversation that geometric rectilinear geometry only was downloaded into human consciousness 5,000 plus years ago. Then mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yes. what does that tell yes. us? And we've got to get to Ukraine. We haven't mentioned yeah. Ukraine once in the last hour and a half. No, that's right. So uh, then what? Well, that's, that becomes the first peak, 
or you could say, uh, uh, if, if you like to use the biblical word of, of creation in seven days and six nights, that's fine. But you could also use, say simply that the, the long count is developed by a sine wave function, which has peaks and valleys, and they alternate. And a peak is what, what the Maya would call a baktun, which is 400, 360 day, uh, years uh, uh, long. Uh, so, <clears throat> meaning that it's a little bit shorter than 400 year, common years, is 394.3 years. So then <clears throat> the, it, it, what happens is that <clears throat> there is development then and an alternation where <clears throat> the, the, this, this activation, this activated mind with geometry and, and light and duality actually, where that is a creative uh, time period. And then they alternate with time periods when that is sort of turned off. Okay, hang on a sec. Hang on. We're at the bottom of the hour. I don't want to skip over this. This is the heart of your model, and it has elements of prediction, which does apply, you believe, to Ukraine and what we're going through right now. So let's hold it there. My guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalaman. We're laying foundation on the Mayan calendar, the nine waves, when the modern conceptualization of rectilinear geometry began, roughly one long count ago, according to his reconstruction, and how that has led to these cycles of day and night, meaning expansion, I guess, and contraction in consciousness. And we'll find out if I'm right when we return. You're on the other Side of Midnight, my name is Richard C. Hoagland. Don't touch that dial. The other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side is midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight for this uh, Sunday night. And I'm hearing an echo. I don't know why I'm hearing an echo. I should not be hearing an echo. Okay. Maybe if I turn that down. Yes, I think we've gotten rid of it. Um, my guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalaman. We're discussing the 
my encounter in the uh, background of the nine super waves or subsections. I guess, I, I guess, Carl, we should ask the simple question: Are these nine waves? subsections of a large, huge wave, or are they nine separate epochs which have roughly equal duration in which different things occur? Uh, they are... As they, they have different frequencies. So with every higher wave will have a 20-fold increase in frequency, um, meaning that the, a time period in the, in the lowest wave, in the first wave, is 2.5 billion years, whereas a time period in the, the highest wave, the ninth wave, is just 36 common days. Oh, so my this, gosh. So it's an enormous frequency increase in this. And this is really something that have, uh, explains the, the speed up of time and the speed up of evolution, that in the, in the beginning of evolution of, of the universe, for billions of years, there really wasn't much coming out in terms of life or, 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 or so forth. It just took billions of years. Until Change Earth. was essentially non-existent. Yes, and then, but then with every new such uh, uh, wave, there is an increased uh, frequency and the, the, the new wave uh, uh, creates a more complex universe and it, it creates also an interference pattern with the underlying wave. So what we are experiencing today after all the nine waves have been activated which happened in 2011, is the, uh, an interference pattern of nine different waves. And the, the, if we are to understand the totality of reality as it is evolving at the current time, uh, we have to see that it's an interference pattern. But on the other hand, uh, we can also dissect evolution by looking at, at uh, wave by wave. That, that's really what we have to do if we want to see more more specifically how a, a, a human culture or a human civilization evolves over time. Uh, so, so that's why you know I, I talked about the sixth wave as an isolated wave, but really in reality it's just one of the nine waves that it creates the interference pattern of, of evolution. So things basically, as Art used to say, he called this the time of the quickening. Demonstrably, yeah. in this model, things have been speeding up radically, and then you get these interference spikes where two waves interfere with each other and create a third peak or valley or whatever, right? Yeah, there must be like that, yes. Mm -hmm. So how do, we, how do we wind up connecting this model to Ukraine? Yeah. Okay. So there is a, uh, and and it's good if people are are looking at the picture that I uh, uh, provided uh, and you provided um, uh, because they they may help uh, an understanding that there the, there is an alternation. I, I already mentioned that the, the sine wave, the sixth wave is the sine wave where the peaks alternates with a, uh, uh, with a valley. 
And when it comes to... So we basically want to look at figure five, your item number five, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a nice sign wave going from the first dynasties of Egypt all the way to the British and U.S. empires. Right, right. And then there is... uh, I, I have to... Let's see. I have to actually go back to that particular picture so that I know where you are number uh, five let me see here i i have to it should 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 go quick i think um number five ah ah here you are let's see um you're on the uh, right page, right? That's what I, I need. The to other side the of midnight.com. Click on the banner, then right under the banner it says "fast links." Click on your name, and that will take you to your items. Mm-hmm. This is real-time radio, folks. We we do this a lot around here. You know, you get to see the hidden background because it's not hidden. <laughs> Un- unlike the connection between Ukraine and the Mayan calendar, which I must say for some people, I got some email and they said, what? So we've, we've got it. Oh, really? But I, I mean, isn't it at least before 2012, I, I think it was quite a wide perception that the Mayan calendar is prophetic. Yeah, but everybody kind of thought in 2012 and nothing really happened. It was like, yeah. okay, it, it's, like, it's like Y2K. Big buildup and it was a bust. And what I've been saying is, well, it's, it's only a bust if you don't follow the actual technical details of the calendar. And yeah. the real peak, it was in 2016, where there's a whole bunch of things that are now, you know, having prescindent echoes down through time, up to and including what's happening tonight, half a world away. So now I am on your page here that I sh- should have had up before and where do I click I see myself there but are you on the guest page or the home page it is the other side okay, okay. Click, click on the banner for tonight which is there at the top okay now I have now that. underneath it says fast links to items okay no, you see that now under the banner fast I, I, uh, you've clicked on the banner right on the on the home page yeah, I now, did. Now you should be on the guest page. And right under the banner, it says fast links to items. And it says to listen to the show. To listen to the show. And then below that, see where it says fast links? Guest page. And then below that, it says fast links. Guest page. I'm looking at it. <clears throat> you are looking at support. No. Click on click on the banner. The banner, the the for this particular event. Yeah, right? yeah. Where it says. Yeah, it did that. All right. So you should be on the guest page. And right under to listen to the show, it says guest page, and under that it has my name and your name. Oh, here yeah, guest page. That's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Click on on, uh, on Carl. Now I saw that. It actually had a very very small. Okay. Well, I would say that people were so misled before be, be, uh, before 2012 
that uh, I'm not surprised that people uh, uh, people are misled yeah, easily about a whole bunch of stuff, Carl. Right. So yeah, I I know that. Uh, oh, where is the? Just scroll. It it should be right there. You probably got arrived at number one. Just scroll down to number five, and then below that is six, which is your day night comparison. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But there is some missing one I think I sent you. I'm fairly certain I sent you. Um, okay, then, but we'll have to deal with it the way it is here. Yes, so this shows... Oh. Okay, I didn't pay attention to this or something happened at this, and now I guess it's too late to, to influence that. Um, but you remember from the my article the 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 maps that showed yes those 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 four was it five maps and missing one in the lower right hand corner yeah which basically showed these shifting eras yeah and the and and they seem to shift geographically across the earth with the 12th meridian measured from greenwich being a kind of a no not from greenwich but rather it goes through rome and berlin but but it's uh, no but isn't it measured from greenwich yeah, well, tw- when you say 12, yes. Well, it was, it was 12 degrees yeah. east of Greenwich. You're right. You're right. Thank you. There. Thank you. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And that's right. the one that's missing. That's the one that's missing, okay. which is kind of uh, unfortunate. Um, and, uh, uh, but it just shows that uh, in time periods... Well, actually, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I'm taking more time with this because I think we need to. If, yeah. you, if you click on my number five, all right... Your number five. Which is above yours. All right. Your number five is above yours. And right there in the middle of the top of the article is this figure. And right there in the middle oh, of the top okay. of the Yes, figure. it is important that that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I just, oh, guest page. First, fast link to items. Well, just uh, go, go click on my name. Richard there. Yeah, and then uh, scroll down to number five, which is your Calaman.com paper. Yeah, and then scroll down to number five. Why, move Putin, why might Putin's Russia want to invade Ukraine? And then why scroll down a little bit, and there are these figures. There's um, one, two, three, four, five, okay. six, seven. Okay. Seven little maps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what these maps show is that in time periods, there is a... There is a line then, which corresponds to a a, the, the, a, a, a shifting structure of the inner core of the Earth, and that line then goes through Rome, Berlin, and it's the twelfth longitude east. So, in in the to the left, you you can see the the what is happening in in Europe in terms of military movement at the beginning of the time periods that are days which are 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 then the peaks in the in the wave movement and then to the right you have the time period the beginning of the time periods that are valleys and and then there are two completely different types of movements taking place so that in the when a day begins 
when a new creativity begins, there is an expansion taking place from this uh, uh, midline of the planet that separates the eastern and the western hemispheres. On the other hand, when a a, a night begins, then... or a valley begins, then there is a contraction of movements. And especially there's been these huge movements from the east, which includes then the, the, the Huns that uh, destroyed the Roman Empire, the West Roman Empire, the Mongol storm that created this huge, the biggest uh, empire in human history, actually, and went all the way through from, from China to to. Uh, uh, to 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 Central Europe, and then the the thing then if you if you look upon this pattern of, as to how this wave movement of the Mayan long count creates alternating. Uh, 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 expansions and contractions from this particular line that separates the eastern and the western hemispheres. You will find then that the the Russian invasion of of, uh, Ukraine fits exactly in. And and what is that is telling us is that there is a yeah, it, it just fits into that. And it, what it tells us maybe is that the energies of these shifting uh, uh, fields is really what's behind this particular invasion. Of course, human beings, because we download these these, uh, uh, different mind structures that alternates over time, we, we will act like we'll be the agents creating these different uh, energy shifts. And anyway, that, so here is an example of, of how a clear pattern, it follows a clear pattern. Now, that doesn't mean that it has to be that way. These are basically quantum phenomena. And what that means is that it's not absolutely determined. And especially not if you consider that other waves have been activated on, with higher frequency, have been activated on top of this. And what that means is it's not an pre, absolutely predetermined thing, but it's, it's also, on the other hand, it is it's easy to see that, that it is part of, of this kind of, of, of a pattern. And uh, yes. So, so that's that's really how how the the, the Mayan calendar explains this particular uh, in, invasion, and I, I I should say that the, these pictures have been part of of my books for for maybe thirty years or something like that, and so it, it, it's an expected thing. Uh, unfortunately, I must say, uh, because my personal uh, sympathies goes to Ukraine, which is a country that I also have um, uh, visited and, and found quite charming. But most importantly, because uh, you know, I, I believe that that people should have the right to uh, to determine their future and and uh, form a, a a democracy, and and that this is something that will be uh, blocked to to a large extent at the current time. But Regardless of, of what my personal 
uh, feelings are about. Uh, it, it seems like this is something that has been uh, consistent with the, the shifting energies of, of time as described by the Mayan calendar. If models are determined or judged by their predictive value, then in terms of this mega pattern that those seven charts lay out, why is it geographically linked to something occurring in the core of the Earth if the Mayan calendar as a whole is disconnected from geophysics, astronomy, the local star system, etc., etc.? In other words, why would there be that geographical pattern of expansion and contraction of West culture versus East culture in reference to some longitude on, on planet Earth? Well, because the, 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 these, these waves, uh, as, as I said, was, as it was described by the Mayan inscriptions, were something that, that were coming from the cosmic center. And then they would trickle down through the, uh, uh, to lower and lower systems. So they, they will trickle down to the galaxy and then to the solar system as a system and then trickle down to the earth and then we the human beings at, would be at the receiving end of these waves and they would be mediated through the the crystal core of the the inner crystal core of of the earth it's not it's not independent of the physical system. It's just not based on the particular cycles of the of, of the solar system or, or or the physical system, so to speak. So um, there is a, a, a geophysical background to the fact that there is a line that separates the western and the eastern hemisphere and this was discovered fairly recently in 2011 i had predicted it for 20 years before that that this line would there would be a such a line that separates uh, uh, the east and the west and that that line would basically go then from from Rome to Berlin to Copenhagen and up to the North Pole. But there was, until 2011, there wasn't any kind of physical evidence for that uh, could explain that because on the surface level, there is no particular distinction between the East and the West. But then what they found when some a group of, of geophysicists that were studying the, how seismic waves were propagating within the uh, within the Earth, they found that there was a difference in the surface structure of the inner core of the Earth. So that, and the reason being that the the, the inner core of the Earth is slightly displaced from the center of the Earth, meaning that. It has one side which is hotter than the other side. Um, and the, the, the hotter side will, will be melting, whereas the, the cooler of these sides of the, of the inner core of the Earth will be uh, crystalline. And so, meaning they have different surface structures. And what they found then uh, and w- uh, was that 
the line that separates this crystalline surface from the melting surface was the 12th longitude east, exactly what I had predicted. Hmm. And I've so, always heard, well, I've always, no, not always, in the last 15, 20 years, I've heard that the inner core is rotating at a different rate than the surface crust, which means if there was a physical differentiation in the inner core, um, it would sweep the entire surface of the world in a given period of time as the two get out of sync and then back into sync. Yeah, I've heard that too, and I, I, I will not attempt to explain it. I, I can... I can send you the article where where this particular uh, differentiation. Yeah, but what you're describing, unless the the rotation differentials are so small that it takes literally thousands of years, or maybe hundreds, for there to be one complete cycle where it catches up again. You follow me? Yeah. The inner core, the outer Earth is rotating, but each are rotating at slightly different speeds, so it. Yeah. The inner core can lap the outer surface every X number of hundred or thousand years, that kind of thing. Yeah. That would modulate surface activity based on energies that are refracted, <clears throat> modulated, uh, determined by, influenced by the geometry of the core. Could that explain your day-night cycles because it seems to me that you've got when 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 the western side of the 12 degrees is in 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 uh, you know um dissension you know mm-hmm. collapse the mm-hmm. eastern side is in expansion and then it alternates expansion contraction exp- that would appear to be a modulation cycle if the if there is, really is a geometry, and I've seen the same papers. In fact, the geometry is described as cubical, not spherical, but yeah. cubical, and the and the waves, the transverse waves of earthquakes, go through the axes of the cube at different rates, which is how they put together this geometric model. That in the center of the Earth, the core is actually a cube. And a cube is, of course, a double tetrahedron, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is where this model interfaces with our hyperdimensional torsion field tetrahedral model. So mm-hmm. if, if these cycles that you're mirroring are a, a phase function of the rotations being in and out of sync, that would explain the surface patterns geographically on the surface of the planet in terms of migrations of humans, movements of settlements, expansions of empires, all of that. It's quite possible, yeah. So now all we have to do is pin down, is there a difference rotation between the core and the surface of the Earth? And in whose data does that secret lie? And does it match your cycles of the ninth wave? Yeah. The sixth wave. Six, well, six of nine. Six, yeah, six of nine, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a study for some other time. 
maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds to me like a literature search because yeah. somebody must have published a paper based like on earthquakes. This is all based yeah. on earthquake data. Mm-hmm. That the inner core is rotating with this geometry, this mm-hmm. incredible cubical geometry. Because you wouldn't expect yeah. cubical geometry where the flow of sound waves in one direction is different than in the in the right angles to that direction. That is stunningly unexpected in all previous geophysical models of what's going on in the center of the planet. Yeah, yeah. And our planet may not be the only one that exhibits this. This should obtain for Venus, for Mars, for maybe the the giants like Jupiter, Saturn, where there's huge modulations of surface activity that is unexplicable currently. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But less is known about their inner structures, though. Well, it's, well the same is not known about the Earth's inner structure. It's all inferred by means yeah. of the waves and right. physical laboratory experiments where sound waves don't go through liquids the same way as they go through solids, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So this is all a prelude to Ukraine. So yeah. you're saying that we're in a phase of the cycle where the East is expanding and the West is contracting. But yes. how does that affect the geophysical placement of Ukraine in, in Russia, which is to the south and not to the east or west? Well, I would look upon it as mostly an uh, invasion from the east towards Ukraine. You can say to the south. Moscow is directly north of Kiev, practically. Yeah, right. To me, that's that's a detail. None of these, if you look at the previous movements from the east to the west, they, 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 they can be south and north, but uh, overall it's, it's, a, it's a major movement from, from the east to the west. So we're talking a movement which is more cultural than physical. Because the Mongols were a very different culture than the Huns, very different culture than the British Empire, and these are east-west cultural moves as opposed to physical moves except kind of collaterally yeah uh, well i think these movements from the the east in particular are have a, a violent uh, military uh, uh, character so, uh, so to speak re- regardless of whatever the the culture aspects have been of them uh, there, there's also a cultural aspect, but it, it's, you know, it's, as I said earlier, that it's not cyclical in, in the sense of identically uh, repeating the same events. It's about creating similar kinds of events at the same uh, place in, in, a, in a period of evolution. Okay, we are at the top of the hour. My guest this morning is Dr. Carl Kalaman. We're going to be joined in the next couple of minutes by Georgia Lambert, who is our resident metaphysician, who has been sending me some notes uh, in Skype. And she says, this is fascinating. What he's talking about is directly in accord with metaphysical models. So I can't wait to get these two folks together in the last hour of the other side of midnight. 
My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. Because if Carl is correct, then the prognostications of what is coming for Ukraine, and by metonymy, the rest of the planet, could be a literal hinge point of history indeed. Don't touch that dial. Side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating whoa, guests. Whoa. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone. We have passed the witching hour. It is now Sunday night, Monday morning here in the land of enchantment on the other side of midnight. And we've been joined by Georgia Lambert, who has been listening. And I just read you a note from her where she says she is fascinated. So, Georgia, tell us why, from a metaphysical perspective, you are fascinated by Carl's model. (laughs) Can you hear me? (laughs) Loud and clear. Oh, lovely. Uh, We need three more hours, Richard. (laughs) Um, Yes, good to be with you. Uh, What what you're talking about is in perfect accord with uh, the metaphysical model that talks about consciousness as a waveform, actually a waveform that's a spiral. Mm -hmm. So, So things aren't repeated exactly, but slightly differently. Um, that that things are speeding up, that humanity's consciousness at an earlier period was vastly different than it is today. There was not the degree of mind that was available that we have today. Um, that would take another hour to talk about. Mm. But uh, what what uh, is being talked about here is uh, stuff that is known in the metaphysical model, but from a completely different facet of the diamond. This is wonderful. Great. Great. Good to hear. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have uh, a couple other facets of the diamond that I could throw into the mix if we're yeah. talking about cycles and, and uh, the current stage of affairs. Uh, there, are, there are three cycles that, um, that overlap one another here. Uh, one has to do with the USA. One has to do with what's going on in the world stage. And one has to do with a very long range cycle that has to do with uh, bump-ups or uh, uh, accelerations of human consciousness. So uh, if you like, I can lay those out. Mm-hmm. Yes. The first one is uh, one that uh, relates to the United States. There is in, in mundane astrology, and astrology is not my forte, but... In mundane astrology, there's something called a Pluto return. Uh, a return for a planet okay. is, is, is when it's, it, it comes back to where it was when you were born, right? Mm-hmm. Like Saturn returns are every 27, 28 years or so. And usually there's big personality changes when someone goes through a Saturn return. Yeah. Well, what the, what the United States is going through uh, this year is a Pluto return, which is its first. Uh, The Pluto return is every 248 years, so it doesn't affect individuals, but it affects nations. And this particular year, we've got three dates that absolutely nail the Pluto return for the United States. February 22nd, which was last week. July 11th is the next one. And December 28th is the one after that. And these particular cycles have to do with death and rebirth, uh, subconscious underworld stuff coming up, power struggles, personal power, uh, subconscious motivations, the changing of the guard in empires. For instance, in history, uh, the Roman Empire experienced its first Pluto return between, say, about 218 and 220 A.D. And this was, of Mm -hmm. course, dramatic shifts in power, along with scandal and death. Uh, The second Roman Pluto uh, return was between 461 and 468, uh, just about eight years before the official fall of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Uh, The British Empire experienced... uh, its Pluto returns, once during the Great Famine in 1315 A.D., uh, another at the start of the Elizabethan era and the Golden Age of English literature, and the last one during the creation of the United Kingdom in 1801. Uh, Spain underwent theirs in 1972 when Franco relinquished power. Uh, France, uh, the death of Napoleon, and uh, Russia, uh, the death of Stalin. So Pluto returns are pretty big for nations. And um, the U.S. has Pluto in its house of money and property, but mostly values and personal needs and resources. So this particular year marks a cycle for the United States to have great upheavals in who we think we are, our motivations, what we um, lend our energies to, 
a lot of old wrongs coming up, you know, that have been hidden to be righted. Uh, all that is, is part of what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second uh, cycle is from Chinese astrology. Uh, and this is the year of the Blackwater Tiger. Uh, the last Blackwater Tiger year that we had was 1962, which was the oh Cuban my. Missile Crisis. Yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis. And, uh, boy, talk about another turn of the spiral and echoes, you know, the past rhyming, as you would say, Richard. Uh, we're certainly having that now, aren't we? Grading um, into 63 when he was killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, culturally, in 1962, you had folk music uh, getting into... Let me interrupt and speak up for yeah. Carl, because he's very polite. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> you, are, you are violating Carl's first law about the Mayan calendar, which is it's totally separate from planetary cycles, material mass, three-dimensional spins, all of the things that you and I have talked about a lot relating to the hyperdimensional model. But the Mayan calendar appears from Carl's analysis to be separate. So let me ask a pointed, right. let me ask a pointed question, Carl. Can mm-hmm. two things be true at the same time? Can, I, go ahead. I, I guess so. I mean, of, of course, I have looked at the question whether, uh, you know, traditional astrology, if that somehow is logically connected to the Mayan calendar system. And then I find it is not. There is no sort of right. logical connection. Now, that doesn't mean that there might not be that the two independent systems may come to similar conclusions, but um, the, the systems are not linked. There is no connection between the, the two. Right. That's what I got from, from what you were saying before. But what's fascinating is that you've got a whole bunch of different systems coming to similar conclusions from completely mm-hmm. different uh, yeah. starting points. Which, from sure. my physics point of view, guys, tells me they all have to be dipping into the same ultimate source or database or system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you couldn't get the same answers. Well, there is a unity in the universe on some level. Yeah, but that's a nice way of saying, yeah. I, I like to know specifically what drives what. I'm a very, you know, meat and potatoes kind of a yeah. cause you know, result, that kind of thing. Yeah. And as a well, physical scientist, Carl, you started in that universe, so you have that gene too. I know you do. Yeah. No, no. I, I think I can explain what started what uh, fr- from my particular vo- uh, um, um, model, the, the, uh, the one I'm using. I'm just saying that uh, that may not be logically connected to the uh, traditional astrology. I think it's, it's possible to explain this quite, quite a straightforward way. Well, the other thing, uh, George, that might be going on is that we have a simultaneous superpositioning of different waves from different origins culminating 
at this moment? Well, that could very well be. I mean, we, we've talked, Richard, before about, you know, wheels within wheels within wheels mm-hmm. and that we're, we're in a time right now where many different cycles are dovetailing into one another all at the same time. And this is why this little planet in the backwater of the, of the, of the solar system here is, is a very interesting place to be. Mm-hmm. When I when I read Carl's paper, and again I recommend everybody, you got to go listening to us for three hours. You're not going to do it. You got to go. You got to download Carl's paper. It's my item number five. Read it carefully, <clears throat> then read it again, then read it again because it's dense, but it's it's there. It's coherent because it makes certain predictions. Like Carl, correct me if I'm wrong, but according to your model. We're facing with Russia, Ukraine, Putin, the West, the kind of dark night of the soul. In fact, yeah, right on your so. graph, it says night, right? Am I yeah. right or wrong? Okay. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. So my prediction based on our model, which is a mixture of the physics, motions of bodies in the solar system, this grand 26,000-year procession, and a smidgen of real time data from Russia and Ukraine and the Western world is exactly the opposite. This to me is an incredible choice and most people are making the correct choice because they're voting for democracy with their bodies, with their Mm -hmm. hearts, with their minds, with their souls, as opposed Mm -hmm. to giving in to Putin's dark night up to and including the nuclear saber rattling which is like the death knell of a dying era a dying dictatorship clinging fingernails to a past paradigm which is slipping away visibly slipping away from him as people all across russia are rising up and saying to him no and that's the thing, you know, Richard, uh, in, in the 60s, uh, our population said no to the Vietnam War. Yep. But now we've got the opportunity for the world to say no to these old, tired, crystallized forms. And that has to be dealt with before Phoenix-like we can rise to something completely new. So... Carl, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile these two diametrically opposed predictions of the two models? Uh, um, well, I'm not sure if I can uh, reconcile them. Uh, uh, we we will have to see how uh, how things play out, I guess. And also, I guess we we should do what we think are is right to the extent that we are able to have any influence on the on the situation you know e- even if you're saying uh, th- that uh, people in russia in are are uh, protesting um, I, I i wouldn't be so sure that that would be the end to the uh, situation uh, putin is a, is a fairly uh, brutal guy we know that from uh, from uh, <clears throat> the Russian interventions in Syria, for instance, and uh, um, he has, you know, many more cards to play than than have been played 
uh, yet. So, well, uh, one of the interesting things, and I, 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 I hesitate to quote events unless I can, can quote sources. So I'm going to give you the source for this. It was uh, Senator Tim Kaine, who was a senator from Virginia, who was mm-hmm. on the Intelligence Committee. He reported this afternoon that Russian soldiers in Ukraine are surrendering, and Russian soldiers really? and exactly. And Russian mm-hmm. soldiers in the reserve that Putin has over the border back in Russia are mutinying and refusing to go into Ukraine and shoot their kindred because they basically don't see any difference between the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. And then you have the demonstrations. The first night after the invasion, 54 cities uh, of Russians rose up in demonstrations. 1,700 were arrested the number of arrested now is over 4,000, and the, uh, and the demonstrations are getting bigger and bigger, not smaller and smaller. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at the mass consciousness of people mm-hmm. who are saying with, their, with their, the peril to their souls, bodies, and futures, no, we're not going to have another war, Mr. Putin. Mm-hmm. To me, that's an incredibly positive real-world development, and it's mm-hmm. coming to us from a variety of sources. Yeah. And it's coming at one of these sort of junctures of, of consciousness. Exactly. Where- Remember, I've always said in our model that it's not determinative. It's about choice. The window is the choice that will determine the future, and I'm mm-hmm. seeing incredible positive evidence we would say in the vernacular, green shoots of choice, including by places that we did not imagine that they would have the courage to go out in the street and have these mass arrests, a culture which is under the thumb, particularly in the last year, Putin has cracked down on all dissent. You know, you get records, you mm. get battered by the police, you get excluded from jobs, your, your lifestyle takes a radical negative turn and against all of this the current generation of young people in russia including the young people in ukraine are all saying with one voice no not again yeah it's incredibly positive Mm. so i want to know carl how does it fit Mm. into your model or are we looking at a subwave like two interference patterns coming together that supersede the larger rise and fall of the uh, of the trends yeah I, uh, what i can say is that you know the these they're not predetermined but even though uh, the patterns seem to hold so to speak and uh, um well you know the old cliche about astrology the stars don't compel they just impel and you've made, gone to great lengths of saying that the calendar is not deterministic like Newtonian billiard balls on a, yeah, on a table, yeah, that yeah. It's, it's more like probability waves in the, in the quantum dynamic mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. But yes. this is such a radical departure from night because it looks like dawn is coming up both east and west. And there is this unification of souls on both sides of the former Iron Curtain where everybody's saying – no, we're not going back to a 19th century model 
where big nations swallow smaller nations and mm-hmm. big powers, you know, basically throw their weight around and subjugate smaller powers, which is mm-hmm. what Putin wants to return to. He yep. wants a sphere of influence model where Russia is bounded by a whole bunch of, as you said in your paper, vassal states mm-hmm. and not independent I mean, the biggest threat to Putin would be an independent democratic evolving from corruption and slavery into, you know, freedom and democracy, Ukraine, because Mm -hmm. all those people in social media now related the reason why the Russians apparently are mutinying and saying, I can't shoot my grandmother. All those people are sharing in social media a common heritage, and it's like if if Putin allowed a free Ukraine to flower, to develop, to develop more connections to the West, it would put the lie to his own people that the only route forward is his autocratic top-down model. You know, Richard, uh, there is a, a book by uh, Bajent and Lee who, who were famous for the Holy Blood, Holy Grail stuff. They wrote a book called Messianic Legacy, and they were talking about World War II and the difference between World War I and World War II. And they talked about the fact that World War I was sort of nebulous. It was the war that nobody wanted, but everybody wanted in it. Nobody really won, but, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it was fallen into by accident. Right. But in World War II, they made a, a really interesting point. They said... When evil becomes incarnate, when it becomes physical, then it can be opposed. So when we see the rise of these dictators, they are in a, in a, a weird way uh, an embodiment of those crystallized dictatorial patterns that are part of our past. But unless it comes to the surface in a tangible way that everybody can feel it and see it, that gives people the chance, even at the most unconscious level, to do something about it because it's physical and it can now be opposed. And I think we're having that kind of an opportunity here. Talk to Carl, who may not be familiar with your model, for the yearly cycle of gestation, implantation, and then, you know, fruitification, is that a word? Well, I guess it is now. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, that's only a yearly cycle. And it's, it's sort of the rhythm of the, the, the matter aspect of the planet, the, the mother aspect of the planet. And there is um, the high point is in the, the spring at the full moon of Taurus, which the Buddhists call Waisak. That's when... The download happens for the year. It comes from higher levels, it works its way down, and it's transferred to humanity for the year. In other words, that part of the divine plan to be unfolded during the year comes in at spring, but it comes in at a very abstract level where most people can't reach it at the levels of higher abstract mind. But then as spring slowly turns into summer uh, and then uh, Toward the end of summer, it moves from higher abstract mind to concrete mind where people start creating thoughts about it. And as we get into the fall, um, then it hits the emotions of humanity where 
humanity is mostly focused, which is why a lot of wars and stuff start in the fall. And then, of course, matter finishes her cycle at winter solstice, the, the model of the, the Christ being brought to birth at the darkest time of, of the year. But then there's that period between winter solstice, which is December 21st, to Candlemas, or Imbolc, as the Celts would say, um, that's February 2nd. This is the time when matter has to reorganize itself. It's delivered its, its, uh, its baby, you know, the young Christ uh, at winter solstice, and now it must re-virginize. So the period between um, uh, winter solstice and Candlemas in February 2nd is one of great upheaval as matter is rearranging itself to get all its ducks in a row and start the aspirational climb to the spring where the new download is. I mm-hmm. find it interesting. You said most wars start in the fall, and that's historically true, except this one started, you know, five days ago, six days ago. We uh, don't know when he was planning it, though. Yeah, but the physical manifestation for most people that's to true. see, and we've been living with this build-up, 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 for all of February, in fact, even longer, but the actual, you know, uh, decision point, the, the balloon going up, which is one of the cliches from World War II, was only five, six days ago. It will come to a culmination in the spring. And that's what I'm thinking about in terms of your model of imprinting from consciousness into physical reality. This is happening when forms are kind of crystallizing into solidification later in the year. Whatever happens in the next two or three weeks will be determinative, will imprint what happens thereafter. And it's looking to me like there's a whole bunch of people saying, we don't want war no more, including the most surprising people, because they're the most subjugated in this conversation, the Russians. And mm-hmm. if we look at if we look at a slightly larger cycle, I I would predict <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, things are going to be dicey up until 20, 2025. and then after twenty twenty five, the all the cycles are lining up to give humanity a huge opportunity for a leap forward in consciousness if we take it, if we can take it. Hmm. Carl, what does the calendar say about 2024-25? Well, I, I would place, I, I think the times will be difficult for humanity even up until 2031. That's, that's how I look upon it. Uh, I, I expect hard times until, until that point. And that, I, then I think there will be a turning point um, and uh, uh, in terms of the, the Mayan states of consciousness, uh, sort of climbing to the higher levels of, of, of the pyramids will be become possible. Um, but that will, I expect that to be largely blocked until then. That's how I look upon it. Mm. Well, either way, it's it's right around the corner, you know. It is fairly much around the corner, yes. Yeah. It's interesting how these two views... See, back to to you, Georgia, and I guess to to my model, it's all about choice. 
Yeah, exactly. We will determine, Carl, mm-hmm. the future. It's not going to be dumped on us. We have, like the Russians tonight, the decision to accept Putin or to reject him, and they're rejecting him. In fact, I heard one source, and it was it was uh, un, un, uh, you know, unassigned, so I don't know how much weight to put on it. Someone who's kind of a political pundit who knows, you know, Kremlinology and has looked at these things going back long before Stalin said they're giving Putin about a week until he's replaced. Wow. Well, remember, we have now made poor all these billionaires around him. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to make billionaires hurt worse than suddenly having no money. (laughs) <laughs> and well, it, well, it, it has been said that Putin made them, but no dictator exists in a system which ultimately winds up rejecting him. Mm-hmm. What and was I'm, the old, go ahead. What was the what was the old line, Richard? Who will uh, absolve me of this troublesome priest? Yeah, that was Thomas of Becket, and it was yeah. King Henry <laughs> the King Henry the Eighth. No. I don't think so. I think it was number two, Henry Second, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I don't either. But I remember the line about the troublesome priest. Yep, yep, yep. Well, as I said at the top of the show, I think one of the memorable lines to come out of this phase of history is uh, Zelazny, who said basically, I, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Yeah, that's great. It's it? mm-hmm. super. I mean, talk about – and he's been doing – See, Carl, this is another thing. Unlike mm. Putin, who's appeared in this stolid, Stalinesque kind of framework, Zelazny's been all over social media posting videos every day, basically appearing to be a person of the people because he is. Hey, mm-hmm. it's time for a break. We're at the bottom of the hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. It seemed to me this was the most appropriate break music we could find. Like a snowball down a mountain or a carnival balloon. Like a carousel that's turning, running rings around the moon. Like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face. And the world is like an apple whirling silently in space. Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. Like a tunnel that you follow to a tunnel of its own. Down a hollow to a chasm where the sun has never shown. Like a door that keeps revolving in a half-forgotten dream. All the ripples from a pebble someone tosses in a stream. Like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its and the world is like an apple whirling silently in space like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind 
theothersideofmidnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Why did summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along a shore and leave their It's the sound of distant drumming, just the fingers of your hand. Pictures hanging in a hallway and the fragment of a song. Half-remembered names and faces, but to whom do they belong? When you knew that it was over, you were suddenly aware that the autumn leaves were turning to the color of his hair. Like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning. On an ever spinning wheel, as the images unwind, like the circles that you find in the windmills of your And welcome back, everyone, to this last half hour of The Other Side of Midnight. You know, I can't get enough of that song, Georgia, because it so encapsulates not just this evening's conversation, but all our conversations about the physics and the cycles and the changes of consciousness and the opening of doorways and the enlightenment of new possibilities and things unthought of or unsaid or unimagined for thousands, if not tens of thousands of years. That, to me, is the era we're in tonight. And the extraordinary tragedy of Ukraine seems to be a window to an extraordinary set of possibilities for what can happen after Ukraine when the dismal models are not fulfilled and human potential is allowed to flower. Yeah, we really have an opportunity here, despite the, the pain of, of the birth process. It's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for a new birth into, into the next level of things, if we can take it. 
And, and I also I also wanted to say uh, just in some of the earlier conversations that uh, when um, when you were talking about um, uh, you know earlier stages of man uh, having a different kind of consciousness that is in perfect accord with the metaphysical idea of different root races and uh, different different qualities of mind descending uh, cyclically at different times. That's, that's all in perfect accord. But we mm-hmm. need an, another three, <laughs> three hours to talk mm-hmm. that one out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we have an unseen, hidden uh, observer who's been kind of quietly lurking behind the scenes. Our resident journalist, Ron, is with us. Ron, do you have any thoughts on what you've heard so far this evening or any radical directions to take us in the remaining few minutes we have on the air? Mr. Gerbron, are you there? I guess he's not. So, okay. So, um, Carl. Actually, I am. Oh, there you are. Sorry, I I was far away from the phone. One should never be far away from a phone. So. Well, I was I was listening to it hands off. Uh, no, uh, don't really, don't really have any, have anything important to say, <laughs> but, um, I like what Georgia just covered. I think that marks an historical first, Ron Gerbron, without a thought on what we're talking about. That is definitely a first. Oh, come on, Ron. You got some thoughts. I know you do. Because we've talked off the uh, air. Hint, hint. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. this is only vaguely related because I was the reason I headed off was so I could listen to two or three things at the same time, and I've been following it. The um, uh, just today, like in the last few hours, the journalists are starting to pronounce um, Kiev properly, mm-hmm. and, I thought, and I thought, wow, where did that come from? Because they weren't yesterday. Okay, that, that, I, that, that, that doesn't seem important. Well, you're talking about cycles and things. And I, I don't really have anything to um, compute, uh, contribute there. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm dissing the guest, but I didn't. I haven't understood half of what he said. So that's why you have to read the paper. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I plan. I, I plan to get his book. This is this is all. Oh, like Carl. I said. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, George. I'm so glad. Plug the book. Yeah. You know the the the, the nine cycles because that's very important because that's the full model laid out with you know specificity and enough time to do it and again rereading things like this is very important. Mm. I'd agree. Yeah, I haven't. That that would help me. Carl, it's, it's, it's always yeah. exciting to 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 find you know similar information from diverse sources so uh, definitely uh, I think the book would be in order yeah there is this book the the nine ways of creation that sort of summarizes a lot of these things and and that was published I think in 19 uh, sorry in 2016 but it still includes this sort of pattern of of evolution that we talked about today I think item number 10 in your items is the nine waves of creation is a direct link to Amazon. You mm-hmm. have a forward by a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Barbara Han Clow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did she say about this? Uh, well, we have, let's see, 
we well she's quite concerned about the situation but that was we talked only i guess a week ago or something like that and and um uh, well she she thought the the paper was she was very impressed by the paper i can tell you that because i sent sent that to her but um uh, yeah other than that she when we talked she was uh, concerned about the situation as as the the russian troops were then uh, surrounding uh, uh ukraine that's all i can say mm. Okay. Um, okay, we've got some time left here, guys. Why don't we get into something like root races, Georgia? Because I'd be intrigued in, to see what, uh, what uh, Carl, how Carl would respond to that. Oh, I don't think we've got really enough time to get into it. But I, just as a, as a quick overview, uh, in the metaphysical model, there are different appearances of humanity, each with different qualities to be unfolded um, and they've been given you know very glamorous names like the Lemurian period or the Atlantean period or something like that but uh, some of the latest research on the brain uh, is showing that uh, the consciousness that humanity has today is a very different kind of consciousness than what what we had at much earlier periods and we can see this in the way that the brain develops um, you know you've got the older part of the brain which is the old reptilian brain mm-hmm. and, then, and then you've got the midbrain which developed the emotions and memory and that kind of stuff which was metaphysically linked with the Atlantean period and then the frontal lobes uh, where thinking and reasoning takes place is of course the fairly new part of the brain which is modern humanity Uh, there was a book written uh, quite a while back uh, called the origins of consciousness and the breakdown of the bicameral mind I was just just thinking he was a guy at Princeton Princeton and I'm trying to remember his name because Julian, Julian, Julian yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. Because because when when Carl, you were going through the, we didn't think of rectilinear geometry until five thousand years ago, give or take. I was thinking of Jane's book, and the idea that human consciousness has radically changed even more recently than that. Oh sure, yeah. Well, you know, the the idea of root races, uh, the Atlantean root race was very psychic and very organic, and they didn't build in Roman angles, you know. Uh, It was much more organic and much more in harmony with the earth. And so the the idea of, you know, hard lines and angles and that kind of thing is is more to this present root race. Hmm. See, I think mm. I think the dichotomy between my approach to this and Carl's approach comes down to it's it, it's almost the cliche which came first, the chicken or the egg, because he says consciousness is modulating 3D reality, and my model says 3D reality is modulating consciousness as expressed from a higher set of dimensions in 3D reality, and those are two testable separate hypotheses and because carl is a scientist at heart physical scientist he knows the importance the criticality 
of having tests of models. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, well, you know, the metaphysical model is that things do work from subtle to dense, that things are within higher levels of the field and they work their way down. But once they land here, there's something there's something magical about the human brain that can collapse a, a, a wave into a particle. And when we do that, like, you know, how we can our, our attention can, can change the way subatomic particles behave, that when we do that, it backwashes back up. So even though reality is working its way down from higher levels, when it hits all the way down into physicality, it can be modified and backwashed back up, which then changes, comes next on the download back down. It's kind of like an in-breathing and out-breathing going on simultaneously and affecting one another. Hmm. I agree with that part, but how do you um, codify it? And where do you get the... Uh, Georgia, I have to ask you, where do you get the this model that the Atlantean stuff was so uh, organic as, as opposed to rectilinear? And that oh. I never heard. I never heard that before. Was oh gosh, yeah. Um, y- you can find it. You, uh, Blavatsky's Secret Doctrine, uh, out the Alice Bailey material, uh, Steiner. Uh, you can find you can find it pieces of it in lots of different places. Yeah, but I've uh, heard. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah. No. I. Um, okay. Well, I've 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 read those. It's quite a while since I read uh, Blavatsky, but. Um, her stuff is rather long anyway. Uh, and you have yeah, to work you have but, to work so hard to get the little bits. <laughs> you know. Well another that sounds like you that sounds like trying to make the uh the uh, ephemeral evidence uh fit a model rather than be it being evidence that supports a model. See that my sounds, take has always been based me, on, it sounds it sounds oh sorry, go ahead Richard. No no the, yeah. well I'm kinda hopefully, you know kind of add to what you're saying, my view of the Atlanteans from all the sources going from Plato on down is that they were technological, they were machines, they were basically us only with much better technology, more fundamental, maybe more crystalline. You know, I mean, the, 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 the pyramids are giant, gigantic machines. You know, I prove that by measuring them. And there's these extraordinary ability of these pyramids, culture to culture, or even sacred site to sacred site, thinking of places like Stonehenge and, you know, Abury, to change inertia. You shouldn't have a piece of stone sitting on a planet that can change a fundamental property of matter unless it's somehow modulating a higher level energy or information flow, which determines in 3D what we think of as mass and inertia. So the Atlanteans were very technological, but not necessarily our recognizable form of technology. And they're, they're you know, the epic for, for Atlantis, I think, is in the period around 30,000 years ago, I think, um, which would overlap with uh, Gobekli Tepe, which Carl is what I was wanting to get into a little bit, which is, how does Gobekli Tepe appear out of nowhere without some kind of foundation, without some kind of infrastructure to support the time to manage and create 
monumental architecture, and in a hunter-gatherer situation, that surplus energy just does not exist. You have to have some pyramid, metaphorically speaking, of energy to support that high level, but not directly relatable to the sustenance of the culture activity. Mm, there needs to be a there needs to be a framework from somewhere, isn't that? I always thought that I, metaphysical models always act as if there's something wrong with humanity developing on a material level to the point no, where they're building uh-uh. some of their own context. No. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. No. Tell me is, why. Because this is this is part of the unfolding of consciousness. Um, the the stuff in Blavatsky, for instance, and, and the Alice Bailey stuff, to just name two, um, mm-hmm. talks about there was uh, technology, uh, as Richard said, of a very different kind during the Atlantean period, but we didn't develop it. It was given to us because other parts of the family lived with us at that time, and um, that was put off limits with the wars and the the breakage of what is metaphysically called the antikarana or the connection between the personality and the higher self or soul. We forgot who we who we really are, and that's in other words. In other words, in other words, casting mechanical uh, expression as uh, essentially evil and against some grand plan. No. No, it's just it's tools are tool, tools are tools. A hammer can build a house or hit somebody over the head. It, it's the motivation behind its use, not the technology itself. Okay, let me ask Carl a question. Mm-hmm. Are you working on a new book? No, not really, not yet. I I, I have an, uh, another book in my mind, but. Uh, uh, I, I'm not intensely writing. That's, that's I'll have to say that. Yes, but you are gathering background material. Yes, I'm gathering background material, and um, uh, I guess it will deal with these uh, certain uh, questions in uh, that are basic to to physics, uh, um, the the origin of life. You might think that's biology, but that's physics. And how is it, the, the other question that is related is, uh, how is it that so many of the constants of, of, of natural laws are, are seems to be perfectly uh, fine-tuned for the creation of life? Uh, this, I think, these are things I think can be solved and, and understood. Uh, and uh, if I'm to write a new book, it it will focus on on those particular questions. Are you going to deal in the book with the with the Rupert Sheldrake idea that what we think of as physical constants, in fact, are not? Uh, you mean that they? they no, I'm not. I'm some not some of them change. Some of them measurably change, like the uh, the gravitational constant is constantly changing. It's it's, yeah. it's bizarre. Y- yes, but within certain limits, right? I mean, um, yeah. But doesn't the textbook say a constant is a constant is a constant without any wiggle room? So if you, for instance, there are other measurements that show the speed of light is mm-hmm. is, is has changed. 
and it's yeah. changing. Yeah. So if you have limits, if you have error bars that are not errors but windows, you know, and then then you have to ask yourself, well, what modulates the changes? And that comes back to what I call the hyperdimensional model, which really neatly explains this set of windows that Sheldrake is talking about in a whole bunch of of, of constants. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that might be, but the, it, it, that's sort of a, a different problem, though, uh, compared to the question of, of how how it is that that the 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 laws of nature and and the the constants of those laws uh, are are fine toned in, in such a way that 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 they produce life in this universe. If they, if some of these contents were just changed with a couple of percents, the, this universe wouldn't have pro, uh, uh, created life or created us. And well, that, where that, was the tuning force? What tuned them? Yes, exactly. How, what tuned them? And, and my that, question, adding on Ron's, is: Are you implying, or are you going to provide evidence that consciousness on Earth is a feedback loop? that has manufactured a cradle, a, a universe where the constants, at least here, are ideal. Yeah, that's what it's about. Ah, see? <laughs> I knew you'd get consciousness shaping matter and energy at some point. Yeah, yeah. But does it have to be universe-wide? I mean, that's a sweeping, oh. incredible, grand assumption because we don't really be able to measure much right. else than here right but on the other hand we wouldn't know anything else and so it would become very speculative to to uh, not have it universe-wide i uh, remember the old mm. uh, uh tip o'neill comment about all politics is local uh, uh, that's a per that's a perfect analogy yeah well i'm my corollary the hoagland corollary is that all physical science is local, that it's endemic to solar system, to solar system, to solar system, because ultimately it's determined by angular momentum, mass, spin, rotation, and uh, I can't think of another couple of variables. But in other words, the physics is local in that if you went to Alpha Centauri or to Sirius or to M31, you'd find a whole different bunch of constants because it's really endemic to the local space-time, which can be influenced as a feedback loop by the consciousness it brings forth. A good example of that, Richard, would be, for instance, uh, life on this planet is based on the golden section or the golden mean. You know, we look at the the anatomy of a horse or a, uh, the way a nautilus shell is formed or the human body and right, it's, all that, right. it's all that, you know, uh, golden mean. But maybe on another star, there's a different proportion. And it's kind of like the old bar in Star Wars. You can go in and depending on how a person or a creature is put together and its geometry, you could tell where it's from. And the only way, Carl, you could determine that would be either to be able to sample constants in another solar system or yeah. or send a probe which could relay back in situ information and yeah. com- and compare. 
if they were all on different so in different solar systems or whatever scale you want to pick, uh, if they varied that much, uh, that would imply that the templates are locally produced. And I mean, my own my own modeling says that the templates are fairly standard. They'll express a little differently in different locations. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, because, trying, of, because I'm trying, of the materials available. I'm trying to remember the name of the cosmologist. It might be Tip, Tiffler or Tift. I think it begins with a T. Many years ago, he discovered and published something that was so heretical to mainstream cosmology, Carl, that mm-hmm. his papers, just like uh, uh, a few other uh, astrophysicists, have been kind of banned from the literature because they just disturb people too much what he found was redshifts which appear to be quantitized and there's no mainstream model predicting that at different radial velocities you'd have quantum expressions and jumps with no galaxies with velocities in between Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and this to me is strong circumstantial evidence that something else is going on, that we don't have a universe-wide set of physical constants going uh-huh. back to Tip O'Neill, you know, science, physics, biology, consciousness is local, which would be an amazing, shattering paradigm shift if it could be proven. Oh, sure. So your and book then is... You, you, then you throw other dimensions in the in the factor and it really gets strange well the reason for the difference of constants being different in 3d as a whole would be different connections to a hyperdimensional reality the gating the 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 transmission of information fundamental information and its assembly in 3d as matter energy etc etc and you know guys i hate to tell you but the clock on the wall use an old cliche says we're down to the last 30 seconds here so carl i want to thank you so much any final parting words about ukraine uh no um, i i think we should uh, do what we can to uh, support the the democratic uh, uh, and and uh, self-determining forces that's all I want to say in, in that regard. And thank you very much for uh, having me on the show. And uh, I enjoyed it. Great conversations we've had, all of us. Well, thank you. Georgia, 10 seconds. Uh, ditto what he just said. Uh, <laughs> I think, love it. Think, think, think positive, think supportive. Thought does affect matter. And I think we're going to see something like that play out live. Ron, I know what you're going to say, which is ditto. So uh, be no, that. No, I'm not. I'm going to, I was going to say Tipler. Is that Tipler. the name you were looking for? Yeah, that's the name Frank, I'm looking Frank, for. Frank, Frank Tipler. Frank or, Frank or Paul? It's Frank. Frank. It's Frank Tipler, yes. Gotcha. Quantitized yeah, redshift right. should not exist, and yet they do. Hey, guys, until next week, same time, same bat channel. We might be doing a double header on Saturday and Sunday. We have so much new, incredible information from Maria's foray into Stonehenge that we may take two nights to go through it all. So stay tuned. And until then, third star on the left, straight on till morning.
Good night, everyone.